So proud of you guys uh, making it this far. We're, I think, one-third of the, the way through. Although the month of December, we won't have a class. So we're, this is our fifth class out of 11. So we're right around there. Anyways, um, you should have a book report due today, right? So you can turn that in at the end of class. And the new book that you'll be assigned is at the end of our notes. It should be there. It's Basic Christianity by John Stott. I, one of my favorite books I've ever read. And it, you know how it is with authors. Some people like certain authors. Others don't. I, I don't know if you're going to appreciate this book. But to me, it's a blessing because it's such a well-rounded work of his... Uh, of, of the, just the whole of Christianity. And so now we've gone over uh, 30 days to understanding the Bible and 30 days to understanding the practical Christian life. And so now we get to also see something. It's a general regarding the whole, the whole life as a Christian. And so I hope you guys like it. One of the things about being in this class is reading books. Um, I don't know if you guys did this before. Some of you are probably disciplined. Others... <coughs> Maybe not as much, and so it's helpful in that sense. Uh, I think over the years, for the most part, most people start books and don't finish them. And so this is a good opportunity for you to finish. And not only that, you're being uh, accountable in your Bible reading, and you're coming to these classes. So today we're going to be looking at overcoming sin. And uh, wow, what a, a, an important topic this is. Um, not just you know, crystal meth or drinking, um, pride and uh, covetousness. Uh, I mean, sin is sin. And we have to hate it. Imagine if in that door slithered a rattlesnake. What would you guys do? <laughs> you, you know, we would run for our, our life. Or a lion, um, if a lion came in that door. I think that um, that's how we have to see sin. Um, Billy Sunday, they, they asked him about this, and he said the problem with the church is they see sin as a cream puff rather than the rattlesnake that it is. You guys, sin uh, allowed to, to, to take root in our heart, our life, um, any type of sin is, uh, is that dangerous. And so we're going to learn in our study today that we have to be able to identify it. I think that's part of our problem. Part of our problem is we have it in our life. We don't even realize that it's there because we haven't taken the time to search our hearts. You know, and, and so we have to take inventory and, and identify those things and then ask God for the grace and, and for the power to be able to run because we don't want anything to get in the way of our fellowship with God and the work that he wants to do in us and through us. And so this is an important study. You know, it's not a study where, you know, you, you take the class and now you're sinless. Some churches, they teach that you can reach a state of sinless perfection. I think the, the Church of the Nazarene, they teach that. We don't believe that, um, but we do believe that you can overcome, that it won't have a dominion over you. And so... Um, we'll talk about this and hopefully we find a healthy balance because sometimes I, I was just talking to someone yesterday, someone who serves in the church and they were telling me, yeah, 
you know, I, I read the Bible and I found out that, you know, I'm always going to stumble. And I said, well, be careful with that. You know, I understand we're, we're going to sin, but you don't want to come to that place in your life where you're okay with it. So we'll talk about this. It's a, it's a, it's a delicate balance. But let's get into the notes. There's plenty of scriptures here. Um, class number five, Overcoming Sin. On this side of time, we will not completely be able to eradicate sin. There will always be ways and days that we fall short. First John 1 John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And so we'll never be able to say, I have no sin now. Having said that, however, we should endeavor to be overcomers. Sin should not have dominion over us. Now, um, someone will say, well, you're a Christian. You're already an overcomer. In a positional sense, yes, but not in a practical sense. Seven times Jesus writes to the church in the book of Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And for the most part, what does he say? He who overcomes. He who overcomes. As Jesus is scrutinizing the church with his eyes of omniscience, in other words, he sees everything. He sees, well, that's, you know, that, that church right there, you guys got to deal with that issue and that issue. And then he tells them, he gives them the promise, he who overcomes. And so that's what we have to do. I mean, imagine the tragedy it would be living your whole life stuck in some sin that you never overcame. But some Christians, I think, unfortunately, they, they, they end up that way. Their growth is stunted. So we want to be overcomers. You know, we're, we're always going to have this struggles and issues and things like that, but it shouldn't have dominion over us. Psalm 19.13 is a prayer. It says, Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. And so we can pray that prayer and we'll talk more about what a presumptuous sin is later in the class. But let's turn to Romans 5. One of the cool things about being able to teach the Bible is you you get to study these things again afresh for yourself. And I need this, you know, all, all the time. But notice what we read here in Romans 5 and verse 20. It says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Now that's interesting. The law enters, thou shalt not, whatever, lie. Um, thou shalt not bear, not bear false witness. So we may not have known um, from an objective perspective that that was a sin. But now we know because it's in writing. It's objective. The law enters so that whenever you lie, sin is exposed. Sin abounds. And so that's what the law does. It, it, it tells us how much of a sinner we are. And you read the law, the moral law, the Ten Commandments alone... And man, you know, the sin abounds. And you realize how much we fall short. But then he goes on to say, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. 
and in the Greek language it's like super abounded. So uh, Spurgeon has a book. Have you guys ever heard of that book by, by book by Spurgeon? It's called All All of Grace. All of Grace. It's a beautiful little short little book, and in it he talks about can you drink the ocean of God's grace? Anybody here can drink the ocean? Man, you're just washed, just covered. Just forgiven, you know, because of the blood of Jesus. And it's such a, a wonderful thing to realize, huh? That you are positionally washed by the blood of Jesus like, like the ocean waters, you know? And where sin abounds, grace abounded much more, right? And so some people, they get that concept, they understand that and there are people, unfortunately, that because of that, then they just, they just sin. They, they let it all hang out. Um, and so, um, verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I mean, there's a, there's a security there in that verse right there. There's a security so in verse 1 of chapter 6, he says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The truth is that as Christians, whenever you sin, the grace is already there. I mean, it already covers you. You know, we're not like one of those who believes that when you become a Christian and then you go out and sin and you get hit by a car, you know, you die and go to hell because... You know, you committed a sin. No, you're already covered. Past, present, future, you're already forgiven. So because of that, Paul asks the question, what, so we, shall, we, shall we just continue in sin then? Because the more we sin, the more grace we get. You ever think about that? That's amazing. But then he goes on in verse 2, he says, certainly not. In the Greek language, it means take that thought out of your mind, put it right there and kill it. Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism unto death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. And so this is an important section of scripture, and there's a there's a lot here, um, but let's talk a little bit about what Paul teaches here. In our notes, it says Paul teaches us that God's grace covers our sin abundantly, but lest we abuse this grace, he tempers it with a warning: Shall we continue in sin? Romans 6, 1 and 2 in the NLT, it says, Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? I know this is different, you know, but some people, they talk about like they like to fight because they like to make up kind of thing. (laughs) 
the make the makeup is sweet. I, I don't, you know. <laughs> well, anyways, just in case. <laughs> Some people, that, you know, I mean, just in case, you know, uh, it's a. Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? He says, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? I'll tell you what, you guys. I think so much of our life is simply realizing who we are. I'll tell you what. You know, like as Christians, we're anointed. We're anointed by, we're the anointed of the Lord. We don't even really need a teacher technically because we have the Holy Spirit. But God does give teachers and he'll, he'll use it. Um, we're his children. He's our father. We're his sheep. He's our shepherd. A lot of it has to do with what we are. And just what's actually taken place. You know, We are co-crucified with Christ. And this is an important section right here. Knowing that this has happened to us. Um, right here in our notes, it says it's more than theoretical. From a theological perspective, we identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I think that sometimes we, you know, just the way that we word it, um, and it's hard to, to really find that, I don't know the application sometimes, but like I, I I'll, I'll tell myself, you know, die to self, take up your cross, deny yourself, and it's good. But in one sense, it's better to know that that theologically, like in God's kingdom, I've already died. I'm supposed to have already been crucified, died with Christ. So when we baptize you. That's not for future. Oh, one day they're going to die to self. One day they're going to get buried. You know, like one day they're going to rise. No, it, from a theological perspective, that's just a, 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 an outward manifestation of an inward reality that's already taken place. That when Jesus was nailed to the cross, so were you. You were nailed to the cross. The old man was nailed to the cross, was put in a grave, and rose in power. And this, I don't know, just when, when you let that, like, you know, work its work, that truth work its work, it, it changes everything. I mean, you don't go back to the old life. You don't go back to the old sins. It, it doesn't have dominion over you. You guys know Galatians 2.20? Say it, Laura. Yeah. I have been crucified with Christ. Co-crucified. Not just theoretical. Not just, uh, you know, one day in the future. It's, it's theological. It's, it's past. That's what he says right here, right? In Christ we have been crucified. And in Christ we have been freed from sin. We read that in verse 7. Set free. So here's the question. Can my life be described in a general sense as a victorious life? Or are there sins that I return to repeatedly 
over and over and over again. These sins, if that's the case, then there's strongholds in our life. And uh, this is a tough one, you guys. I don't know how you feel about this, but it's one thing to sin, if I could just kind of say it this way, even though it's still sin, accidentally. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like a stumble? Like it kind of caught you by surprise and you weren't ready for it. And then, you know, that's uh, uh, one thing. And, And that happens, you know, from time to time. Let's just say there's a hole right there and... I didn't see it and I tripped over it or whatever, like a bump. But what if I I knew it was there and I stumbled over it every time? How many of you would think that's weird? <laughs> You'd be like, man, you keep stumbling over that same thing over every time, you know? Um or or when you when you actually you can't control it. Where it has control over you. Does that belong in a Christian's life? No. And so somewhere along the line, you know, something's not going right. We need to come back to this and we need to know that, just know that you you don't have to live that way. You know, that God will give you the wisdom to learn from your mistakes where you stumbled in the past and God will give you the power to overcome. And, and then basically what I've learned in life is that God will deal with me with one issue and then hopefully I get overcome and then he starts chipping away at another area of my life and then hopefully I overcome and then he continues to conform us into the image of Christ. He wants to humble us. He wants to put more love inside of us, uh, more faithfulness, uh, more compassion. He just continues to change us. So... The thing that we got to know is before we can ever hope to overcome sin, we must first want to overcome sin. So that's in your notes. Fill in right there. We must first want to overcome sin. We must be thoroughly convinced that sin separates us from God. Okay, so if you don't want to overcome all sin, please leave right now. I'm just joking. (laughs) 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 <laughs> no, you guys want that, right? You're not going to like harbor any sin inside of you, are you? Some people hold on to sin because they think they need to. They actually think it, it's their, their, their defense mechanisms. It's not your defense mechanism. Let me tell you, man, it's your ruin. It's your ruin. Well, it's just the way that I am. It's the way that I am wired. God made me like this. And that, you know, he knows that I need it or so-and-so needs it, not if it's sin. So you have to, we have to hate all sin in our life. If not, I mean, you don't have to leave right now, but the rest is going to be useless for you. And you're going to be stuck. And you will never grow. Because, you know, that's how we grow. We, we overcome sin. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 gives us a good reason. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor is ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He will not hear. And this is the Lord's talking to the church. This is the Lord communicating to the church that I'm not answering your prayers, and not because I, I have a hearing problem, 
not because my arm's not long enough, you know, to intervene in your particular situation. It's because you have sin in your life and you're holding on to it. Um, Psalm 66, 18 right there. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. So, I mean, that right there is reason enough to say, I don't want anything and sin in my life, Lord. First uh, Peter 3, 7, it says, Husbands, dwell with your wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. And so there's a specific warning to husbands. And so this right there is a good reason. We don't want our, our prayers hindered. And so um, I think that really, though, um, what is probably the best reason not to want to sin? And I know you guys know. What, what's the ultimately though probably what's the best reason why you don't want to sin yeah yeah that uh, those warnings and at the same time yeah you're sinning against him you know sometimes we just have to stop and think about those things so I don't want to hurt him I don't want to offend my father you know and so as we continue on right here, here's just nothing necessarily in a particular order, but right here it says we must be able to identify the sins in our life. Just like anything else. You know, we recently had a problem with our car. It wouldn't pass smog. And so we just paid somebody, you know, to take care of it. For <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you, man. It was like, okay, we kept, we paid like $500 to get this car fixed, right? So then the guy's only going to drive it around, drive it around, and took it to the smog field again. Drive it around, drive it around, but we're leaving for Israel, so I'm like, oh, we have a lot of time. So we told Aaron, drive it on the freeway, drive, drive, drive. But I guess he only drove so much because he's a local boy. <laughs> we come back and it's due on April 30th and I'm like okay so the Friday before we drove to Irvine Spectrum drove 80 trying to get some miles on there driving as fast as we could we went to the Grand Canyon so I'm like okay Lord we have to um, drive somewhere else before we took it in because it's a small place and so Drove it to Brea, just went straight to the smug place because it was hot. Get there, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't get it. There's people that totally cheat, <laughs> do the numbering thing with their mechanic, totally lie, and they pass. I'm like, that's so, like, <sighs> wicked. And I'm like, Lord, we're trying to do it the right way. We haven't passed. We spent 500 bucks, and then, boom, the guy comes. You passed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But it just wants to show you that, you know, sometimes you can get discouraged. Mm -hmm. The Lord's like, I came through. It was due that day, but I came through for you. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> so he likes to wait last minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That. They get their mechanics to do the number thing on there and yeah. change it so they won't, so they can't smog. So the the point is, though, that there was a specific problem 
there was a specific problem we had to take it to the mechanic he had to deal with something specifically within that engine in order for us to continue to drive the car and uh, there's that's how it is in our life believe it or not there's if, if there's sin then we have to find out what what those sins are specifically it's not a personal conviction it's not something that the world will tell you about that's they say it's right or wrong it, it'll be in the word it'll be in the word and God will show you you know what it is if there is anything there you know and for some of you maybe you're doing pretty good right now and praise God but you tuck it away for maybe another time in your life where this is going to be something that you're going to have to deal with so we must identify our sins in our life and, and then secondly we identify sins through prayer and failure through prayer and failure sometimes others will tell you you know or they'll tell you hey I see you're struggling with that, you know. God can speak to people, but as far as us being able to identify them, uh, this is how it happens. Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so the Lord is the one that you want to search your heart and he'll tell you if there's anything going on that's not right, and then he'll lead you to freedom. As we continue on in our notes here, we, sin is missing the mark. You guys know that, right? You've heard that. It's, there's a bullseye. We, we try to hit that bullseye literally in the, in the Greek language. And if you missed it, they would say you sinned. That's what sin is. It's missing the mark. Transgression is crossing the line. And transgression... Generally speaking, it seems to be more severe. Iniquity carries the idea of perversity or depravity. So sin is missing the mark. Transgression is crossing the line. Iniquity carries the idea of perversity or depravity. And so there are degrees of sin. And probably the worst sin is the ones that we know better of. So, um, presumptuous sin, and earlier we saw that prayer, is willful sin. When we sin in spite of the fact that we know better. And the Holy Spirit's telling you, don't do it. (laughs) Or, you know, you heard it in in the Word or a message or something, and... um, and you just, with eyes wide open, that's a scary place to be. I mean, technically speaking, in the Old Testament, there was no sacrifice provided to cover presumptuous sin. I mean, God forgave. God forgave David. But there wasn't like a promise that we could stand on, per se. David, of course, suffered the consequences of that. So we also have sin of omission in our notes right here. Sin of omission are things... We should be doing, but we don't. So this can add up, huh, guys? (laughs) You're thinking right away of things that you do that you shouldn't be doing, which is the next uh, sin, a sin of commission, are things we should not be doing, but we do. But if you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, 
um, a lot of times he'll be telling you things that you should be doing that you're not. What do you guys normally do when you hear that voice of the Holy Spirit? Try to try to follow through. Yeah, I, I I mean you guys are good. I mean, justify not listening to that voice. Yeah, I think that's probably our biggest problem. Is is that's important though? Real quick, um, you know, sin. Um, we can rationalize it. What did Adam do? And what did and what did uh, what did the wife do? She blamed it on the serpent, and uh, they almost blamed God. Adam kind of blamed God. The wife you gave me. <laughs> so you know we got. I don't want to let that one pass by too quick is um, be so careful that you don't rationalize or justify or offer excuses for sin you know I mean I understand sometimes people treat us bad and just you know it's hard but man if you you're good at making excuses you're not going to be good at anything else right so I'm sorry Gail go ahead you were going to say something so glad you said that because that's what I was going to say. I do that sometimes. Yeah, I do that sometimes. Because I think part of the reason is we don't realize Mm -hmm. that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Mm -hmm. It's not just me. You know, it's not just some random voice. It's the voice of God. Mm -hmm. And I think that as Christians as we kind of begin to be more sensitive to that voice then we're going to grow crazy. You know, because um, if it's you hear a voice or a message or something, you can test it right away. You know, like, is that the Lord? Is Does it line up with His Word? You know, and, and right away. And then, and then, you know, a lot of times I find that, you know what, this is God calling me higher. I remember one time that I was so upset with my headache. I don't even remember what, but it was in the morning. And then I said, I'm going to leave him I was just so mad at my own, you know, probably wasn't a big thing. But I knew that if I got in the car, I always have on Kaylee, and I'm not going to talk on. I I should have done it the first time. Yeah, you know. 
But he's so good. Like, he's so and right Gloria right made a good point. He needs to share that. Or three people. Yeah. And sometimes you're yeah. not believers. Yeah, that's even worse. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you know you're supposed to do something and something comes up and it's through somebody else and it's like yeah. you feel more convicted and mm -hmm. worse when they're unbelievers. Yeah. You know? No. Yeah. When you rationalize yeah. it and you try to justify it, what ends up happening, if you start getting more desensitized to the Holy Spirit, your heart's going to get harder oh, yeah. and harder. And he's not going to work in your life the way that he wants to. Mm -hmm. You're going to grieve him. You're going to stunt your growth as a Christian. Oh, no, I would be too afraid that he's going to stop talking to me. Right. So then I start obeying more. Just for that. It's about it. Yeah. No, actually, exactly what she said. That if we ignore him enough, he's going to stop talking right. to you. And I would not want to be without God because yeah. <laughs> like being naked. But, you'll be but, then, again, but then again, because you have the spirit, but if you continue on. Just yeah. ignore it. Just ignore yeah, it. Yeah. Ignore it. You're not even going to have that attitude anymore. You'll yeah. be you'll be, that, you'll be in so out there that you're just yeah, going away. Comfortable. So. And it happens small. It doesn't right. happen right, right away. It just Gradually. slowly, slowly to where you're way out there. Huh. Mm -hmm. the you are right here, and then you're way at station yeah. 15, mm -hmm. and you were at station 2. Yeah, I read this quote. Let's see if I could find it. Oh, no, I can't. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you guys another time. But it was along the lines of uh, what you were saying, Gloria, as far as like even sometimes the Lord will speak to us through non-believers or people that are mean to us or just different things. Be really careful also that that you don't think that, that well, because that person does it and they get away with it, then I'm sure I can as well. You know, God doesn't grade on a curve and everybody is is different. We have different convictions. I, I feel even for me that I am even more accountable because I have people praying for me. And I'm you know, like, I'm a pastor. You know, so um, you we got to be careful that we don't just say, well, they're doing it, so it's okay if I do it. Um, God, you know, he does this in, in a very personal way. So sins of omission, sins of commission, um, the key to victory is found primarily in the personal power of the Holy Spirit, huh? Well, that was the whole difference in the church. Prior to the Holy Spirit coming, there wasn't much power there. But when he came on the day of Pentecost, it was a different Peter. And that's what we want in our life. Let me ask you a question, okay? Are you different from when you got saved? Or is it noticeable? Is it, is it evident? Hopefully one day we'll be even be able to say it's radical. And even the more you've been walking with the Lord, it should be more. There should be more joy, more peace, more love, more, you know, everything. I mean, I just, not to put pressure on, but I just pray that we would know that by the Holy Spirit, you know, we're, we're, we're transformed more and more into His image. You know, the Bible says, from glory to glory. Think about that. So Romans 7 and 8 is an interesting passage. Um, I want to turn there real quick. And you guys know about Romans chapter 7, how it talks about this war that we're in, right? And uh, man, 
Verse 18, For I know that in my flesh, that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I do all the time. I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. In other words, that this you know we got to understand that we have we are trichotomy, body, soul, and spirit. We have a fallen nature, and if we're not careful, that fallen nature will dominate our life. Let me tell you something that is ugly. So that's what's going on right here. If I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it. You know, he's talking about the inner spiritual man. It's no longer him, but the, the, the sin that dwells in me, it's the flesh. So I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And it goes on to say, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I mean, and this is Paul. Some people say this before he was a Christian, but I think it was when he was a Christian. Otherwise, he wouldn't have the struggle at all. Who will deliver me from this body of death? He's talking about an inner man that wants to do good, an inner man that's fighting. That's not a non-believer. That's a Christian. And he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here's the thing. It's not just getting saved, though. You know what it is? Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And then Romans chapter 8, you know what it's all about? The Holy Spirit. And what he says is, I thank God that one who's going to deliver me from the body of death is Jesus Christ baptizing, not with water, but with who? The Holy Spirit. And that's the key. Let me ask you a question. How long do you, how often do you get filled with the Spirit? Every day, throughout the day, we have to be under His influence. I remember when I when I got saved, I got baptized with the Holy Spirit. The day I got saved, it doesn't happen to everybody, you know. Um, sometimes it's later down the road, but some people they're saved, and you know, you you, you see a, a change, and, and there's a little bit of a difference, and they they do believe and they are saved, but then one day, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they're empowered, and that yeah, that's what we need. This is the key. The key is the personal power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' death and resurrection gives us free access to the baptism and filling of the Holy Spirit. But the thing is that we must choose to walk in His strength every day. What does Galatians 5 talk about? The, the fruit of the flesh and then the fruit of the Spirit, right? And it's interesting, if you go to Galatians... He says in verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So just like every day you wake up, and for the most part, you guys put on shoes, right? 
that's kind of how you have to do it every day. You have to choose to walk in the Holy Spirit, you know. And then, you know, you'll fulfill the lust of the Spirit, the desires of the Spirit, as opposed to the, the lust of the flesh. Not only the Holy Spirit, we must be filled with the Spirit and filled with God's Word. Now, most teachers, they make an important connection between Ephesians 5.18 and Colossians 3.16. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or a wasted life, but be filled with the Spirit. And so we talk about that. But then, of course, in Colossians 3.16, in these two books, they just go parallel. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So it's the Spirit of God filling us, dwelling in us and upon us, and then and it's the Word of God, you know, how God will use that. And that's why it's so important to be in the Word um, every day. You know, and I, I, you know, it's all dependent on how you take it. There were a smaller class, so, you know, we can talk about it if we need to, but you know, it's not a legalistic thing. It's not a something that that I would. I hope you don't receive it as as that. As a matter of fact, when we're talking about praying more, we're talking about being with God more. Think about that. We're not talking about something I. Oh, I gotta do it. It's something I get to do. I honestly believe that the more you saturate yourself in the scriptures with a sincere heart, the stronger you'll be. And I can point to you, and it's it's a bummer, man, and Henry and, and Ray, they'll tell you, that a lot of times that's the key, that these guys are struggling with whatever it is, or these people, they're just not in the Word, and they're not in prayer. And that's the key. And I can't take a day off. Because that sometimes will lead into two days. I can't. I don't know about you guys, but if I if I were to ever rush out in the day without spending time with the Lord, I just I have OCD as it is. Man. <laughs> I just feel like, how am I going to do this? You know, I don't know how anybody can do that. Hopefully, part of this class is is teaching you the discipline. You know, we talk about intense discipleship. Christian ID, you know, discipleship, they're disciplined. Being in the Word and, and then being in prayer. I mean, there's so much more that we could talk about when it when we talk about overcoming sin. But let's look at these quotes and then if you guys have any questions, we can talk about that. Um, Thomas Watson said, Till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. Andrew Murray said, Not to be occupied with your sin, but to be occupied with God brings deliverance from self. Jerry Bridges said, Your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace, and your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. Right here it says, We are in the process of being conformed into His image. By Him be encouraged. So the visual of the Old Testament is the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, you know, and then they're on their way to the promised land. Do you guys know how long of a journey it's supposed to be? 
11-day journey. 11-day journey, the Bible says. How long did it take them? 40 years. How long is it going to take you? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> well, the, going into um, the promised land as they cross that river, Jordan, what's that symbolic of? Baptism, Baptism of the Holy Spirit. And being in the, in the promised land is vic- victorious Christian living. We're talking about overcoming. Does that mean they didn't have to fight? Well, they still had to fight. They still had to use wisdom and not make treaties with the Gibeonites and dealing with guys with chariots and all that kind of stuff. It's still a, a battle, but it's a battle that that we can win. You know, I uh, the other day, and I, I, the Lord just hit me hard. He just he really hit me hard. He said, "You should be walking on water." I mean, you guys know what I mean. Not not physically, but you should. We should be walking over our enemies, under our feet. That's who we are when our eyes are on Christ. You know, so um, now we're all going to go out and sin and fall on our face and get all discouraged. And God, just he, the, the thing about it is that we have to try to, you know, when you do, and I, and I think that's the key, is that when you, when you actually begin to get that victory and, and it's a different life, you have to stay humble. You have to remember who you were without Christ and and all those things. Otherwise, yeah. Yeah. There's a good book. It's called Respectable Sins, huh, Shelley? So any questions, you guys, or thoughts on that? Yes. Yes. Um, on the last um, meeting that we had, um, remember you were blaming Henry for the title? Oh. So are we not doing the Chuck Smith one? <laughs> oh, thank you. That's what I was going to ask. Are we not doing the Chuck Smith, the Grace Changes, everything? Are we doing this one with John? Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. My bad. Sorry, Henry. That's okay. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, I want to do basic Christianity. If you already started that book, no, I haven't. Okay. So that's why I was asking to see which one. Yeah. 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 This is. Uh, I was looking to see what book I had assigned, and I couldn't find it. So then I thought I want to do this one. So but which one are we going to do? Basic Christianity. Why grace changes everything? No. no. Unless you already started it, I'll let you... Have you already started it? Okay, then. <laughs> For now. And just to let you know, it, the basic Christianity is a little book. So I, I pray you guys be happy. And that one's due next month, or are we going to get the 60 days? No, you get two months to do it. Okay, That's so too much time, yeah, huh? Yeah, books, there's only six books. <laughs> Oh, no, it wasn't too much. <laughs> this part is going to be due in July. In July. 
Nah. Uh, 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 if you if you guys want to do more, you can. This actually gives you the freedom to read uh, another book that you might be more inclined to read on your own. Yeah, but that book will eventually be one of our our books on the list. Yeah, why grace changes everything is a good one. So let me ask you guys a question, okay? How would you define the Trinity? Like if someone said to you, what's the Trinity? What would you say? Good. Father, <laughs> Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, I like that. Perfect family. Someone actually explained it to me as um, as a body. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the heart, the mind, everything. It's still one body, but they all have, like, different functions, something like that. Okay. I don't know that's right. Yeah, and, you know, the difficulty with that, Isabella, is that some... Any any like human illustration is going to fall short, you know, from a theological perspective. I mean, it begins to help us to kind of get a little bit of an understanding. But um, like, you know, the 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 problem with that might be the fact that some say, well, then Jesus is like the physical part, you know, and and then the Father is, you know, spiritual, and they even deny the existence of the person of the Holy Spirit. But no, and then others will compare it to water, uh, ice, and vapor, and others will compare it to an egg. All those illustrations, they fall short. So basically, like like um, like we, what we heard right now, Aristotle said, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. So we have to understand that, and uh, they're not each other. Um, and so we'll talk about that. What I want to do is I want to give you guys a little bit of catechism. I'm going to give you a little bit of memorizing certain things. So we like to say it this way. One God and three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Equal in essence and nature, but not in function and office. And we'll talk about that. What would you say to someone if they asked you, how is someone saved? What would you say? Yeah, I mean that's a that's that's good. That's what she taught our kids. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, see, it's great. I don't think they get it. Yeah, that that's yeah. It, uh, a non-believer would just yeah go over the head. Yeah. So you need share to accept that what the Bible says. Um, but the gospel is really simple. It says to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Mm-hmm. Romans ten nine. But of course, with that. Yeah, and where's a good place to to get like what the gospel is? Where's a good place in the Bible? First Corinthians fifteen. So you guys are going to have to know these things right now. I'm just throwing them out there to you, but you're gonna have to know these things because First Corinthians fifteen it says it explicitly that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried, he rose again, and then as you place your faith. In him, now we know what he did, what we're supposed to believe, and we're saved. And so we're gonna talk. We're gonna get like at least one or two sheets on on, on what's called a catechism. And so I feel like uh, responsible. 
you know, I've been teaching Bible college, and it's been tough. You know, it pretty much takes a couple of days away, and so now uh, Bible college is over for a while, and so um, hopefully we'll be able to do a little bit more stuff like this, catechism. And Any, any other questions on uh, anything else, you guys? Girls? We're going to call it the Calvary Chapel Catechism. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. Yeah, and it's perfect. You have to know, but then you have to explain each one. That's the only thing, is you have to explain each one. Yeah. And I still believe in that with all my heart. But just like trying to, then you have to explain to him, well, what is it about Christ? And then, you know. You don't want to go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, just this class, Lord. And I pray that you would forgive me, Lord, of the many, many ways I fall short. Your word says these things I wrote to you that you wouldn't sin. But then if we do, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ the righteous. We thank you for that, Lord. And that's our, our desire, Lord. I pray um, that you would help us, Lord, maybe to slow down and help me to get on my knees and ask that you search my heart. And Lord, I don't want anything there that doesn't belong. Help us, Lord, to give you the time that you deserve. Take inventory, Lord, constantly and Lord, when you show those things and the dross rises to the surface, that we skim it off, Lord. And I pray that you bless my brothers and sisters here, Lord, and bless your church. I pray the families that are represented here, Lord, encourage them and do a mighty work. Again, we do love you. Thank you, Lord. And we pray that you would help us to be overcomers. I ask in Jesus' name.